Welcome to the 43rd episode of the Invincibly Supermassive comic book podcast of Stuff. I'm Tony Guerrero, editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com. And with me is returning, we have the one and only Sean Murphy. Hi, how you doing, everybody? How you doing? Good. Tired. (laughs) I just realized I I almost did a little Joey from Friends. (laughs) How you doing? I was at PAX last weekend. Um, you know the video game conference and yeah. and so usually when I when I'm I'm away at conventions and I'm working in the hotel room, I just turn on the TV cable whatever and so it's like Friends is always on and and like TBS so they'll show like like four episodes in a row yeah and you just got that so yeah it's like got a little like Friends overload yeah no it's funny I I want to hate Friends because it's so you know mainstream top forty type of show but uh every once in a while there's a good joke in there i mean it is it is admittedly very well done yeah because because for a while like when it first came on because this was like in the seinfeld days you know we were like like oh this this is it's not that good you know if you watch those early episodes you know they didn't have like the rhythm and the chemistry and right but then like after a while we 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 were like hooked on it and we were like watching it and and then it's like we hadn't watched it you know since then i'm talking about like my wife and i um, yeah. but then it's like like going back it's like it's like yeah it it, it still kind of holds up and yeah, I, yeah. i've been i've been reluctant to watch seinfeld but i watched a couple last weekend as well because you know that almost feels like it, it could get too dated just like the clothing styles and you know the hairstyles and but <laughs> yeah it's it still works yeah all right now i'm still a fan of seinfeld i mean it's on it 11 or 11.30, so it might be like the last thing I watch before I could turn in. I, I, I ended up, I bought them all on, on DVD, and, and most of them are still sealed. You know, wow. <laughs> but it's just like, so someday, I have them there. My wife's like, why are you buying these? You know, you just watch them when they're on. I was like, no, you know, I'm a collector. <laughs> or now that it's on Netflix, I mean, my <laughs> DVD purchasing has gone way down. <laughs> yeah, it, it's still hard sometimes. It's like, you know, because it's like, you you want the extras. And right. And you know when you get the you get them on Blu-ray or whatever because you know sometimes Netflix quality kind of jumps down a little bit you know depending on the streaming I guess. That's true. I mean, if you're particular about the look and getting it in Blu-ray or whatever, then uh, I could see why you'd still spring for the the purchase. Yeah. But but uh, you know Netflix stopped me from having to buy all seven seasons of MacGyver, so <laughs> pretty happy about that. <laughs> I, I I've started watching X Files again because there's a season ten comic. From, yeah, from IDW and and when when that's that was a series that we, we really got into and but the the DVDs were they're like like a hundred bucks or something like that I think for a season so it's like I, I never I, I was like I can't I can't buy that those are just too much right so it's nice that they have those on there so you can watch those and yeah it's weird going back yeah. well let, let's talk about you so let's let's talk about the wake and so third issue fourth issue should be coming out. Soon. Yep. Yep. Just finished up the uh, last page of issue four uh, yesterday. 
So uh, just got the script for issue five, which is going to be 25 pages long instead of 20. So Ooh. it'll be fun. Now, uh, w- without like giving details or everything, has has things pretty much stayed according to you know the original outline or original plan? Yeah, yeah. Scott uh, is more consistent than um, somebody who likes to throw you curveballs like uh, Grant Morrison. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think uh, very soon issue four or five, you're going to start to understand what the deal is with all of these flashbacks. What's happening? Like, there's a caveman who found this, you know, crazy futuristic technology, and all that stuff's going to be answered. So, um, I think once issue five comes out, a lot of the questions will be answered, but then more questions will arise. Um, and I think people are thinking of this book as a John Carpenter style '80s uh, story, but it's a lot bigger than that. But people don't really know it yet, so I'm interested to see what the reactions are going to be. Yeah, because I mean, it's interesting you, you bring that because. I, I honestly haven't really thought about it, like what I think of it. I just I'm just enjoying it. So yeah. you know, when we got like the stuff like you know 200 million or however whatever time it was, you know, just seeing that, and then there's like the, the future stuff, and it's just like like whoa, and and I'm just like I'm not even gonna try to guess what this all means and how it's all connected. I you know I'm just gonna enjoy it as it happens. So yeah, that, that's, no, really, that's good. Man. I appreciate the uh, the open mindedness. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, with with two of you guys on there, it's like. I'm not going to question or doubt anything. It's just like, it's like sit back and enjoy the show. Now, um, I'm really glad that they did a director's cut. Okay, good. I was wondering about that because I, I thought maybe people would have mixed feelings about that. I, I, when, when I first heard the idea, and so you know, they, they've done it so far with uh, Batman with the Year Zero, the first one, and with Superman Unchained – when when I first heard that, I'm like, okay, it, it's it's it kind of sounds like the double dipping, you know. Right. It's like it's like you know have some special features, maybe some script stuff and all this. And I was, I was like, do we really need that? You know, it's like I just bought the issue, but right, yeah, I, I did get them again, and yeah. um, it's it's really interesting seeing yours, you know, especially after like like you know punk rock Jesus, and you know that was one of the things I, I was going to ask you, but then you know looking at at the director's cut for the wake number one because like when when we talked about punk rock jesus you know so originally you it was supposed to be colored and then you found out it was going to be colored so then you had to kind of go back and make some little tweaks with the art and you know so with 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 this since you know it's it's being colored right is it like the opposite thing so when they go back and and do the director's cut version is there any changes that need to be made or is that just, is that what you turned in and then it gets colored from there? Yeah. When they announced to me the director's cut, I said, it's going to be black and white. I'm going to have to go back and add uh, half tone effects to sort of fix it um, because it was designed for color. But uh, in the end I, I ran out of time. So what you see is what uh, the colorist got basically. So, um, I think most of it holds together pretty well, but there might be something every now and then where if it was published like Punk Rock Jesus, I probably would have tweaked it a bit more. Um, but I'm very particular about these things. I, I think that um, most people probably won't notice. <laughs> now, it's interesting that like some of the, the sound effects are, are colored, but then yeah. some of them aren't. Yeah, the ones that I write in myself, I they don't color. <laughs> ah, I see. Because yeah, there's yeah. one um, spuff. 
Right. Yeah. And any <laughs> that's yeah because that sound effect was part of the design of the panel. So something like that, I didn't mind actually throwing in there because that's basically the background. Um, or if I add a panel, uh, sometimes I'll add a sound effect just in case uh, the editor forgets. Or um, a lot of uh, tiny sound effects, like if somebody's grabbing something, I'll write a tiny word, G-R-A-B. I love when you do that, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm glad. It's funny because people, some people uh, would say that it's too funny and cutesy and it takes you out of the story. But I don't know. I just spend so much time alone, I just can't help myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. So it, it's, I because I always get fascinated when you know you t- look at a colored comic versus a black and white comic because you know you take something like like The Walking Dead, I couldn't imagine that being colored, right? You know, it just wouldn't work. And I always have a problem with with sci-fi comics where sometimes the, the color, it it's it's like there's too much blues or reds and it yeah. just it, it makes it feel artificial. Even though yeah, I, I know it's it's fake because you know sci-fi stuff is usually fake. But it's so so it's always weird where you know you like because um, Batman Black and White that also came out, and you were so used to seeing Batman in full color, where seeing the and I, I love the the black and white issue and especially your mm-hmm. your stuff man it just blows me away. Thanks man. Um, a so labor of love. So yeah, I mean it's it's just it's it's almost like it, it totally changes the feel of all those stories. Like seeing it in black and white, you know, it, it's I don't really know how to explain it. I'm sure there's some proper artsy whatever you know terminology, but it's it's just it has a totally different feel to it, and I, I think it's it's a real fascinating thing the way the way that happens, right? Yeah, when you're looking at black and white art, you're you as the reader are doing a lot of the extra work because you're basically coloring it in your head whether you realize it or not um if i draw a night sky and leave it white and draw the moon you look read that and go okay it's night you can decide if it's brighter out night or pitch black uh everyone is going to have their own interpretation once it's colored everyone seems sees the exact same blue so it's more defined um so the, I think the one of the things I like about black and white is it's more up to the reader to fill in the gaps, whereas color sort of spoon feeds you, um, which is you know helpful for other reasons, of course. But I would say that's the main difference is you're actually burning more calories figuring out black and white art than you are when you read a colored comic book. Now, how is it drawing like when when you knew that the wake was going to be in black and white, and you know you're doing underwater scenes without you know the blue of the water? Yeah, they're just flying. I'll add a few bubbles so you know that they're not flying in the air. <laughs> um, I tell you, you know, Matt uh, Hollingsworth has been saving it, uh, especially in issue four. There's all these mermaids, just swarms and swarms of them, and some of them are basically scribbles uh, on my end. And then once Matt gets a hold of it, he turns each of these scribbles into like a real thing. It's it's crazy, and I hate to admit that. <laughs> and you need a colorist, but when I see what he does, I'm just like, oh man, I'm so glad that he's here helping me. Now, are are they doing director's cut for for all of them, or is it just like, you know, they're just going to do the first issues? I think they're doing it just this one time. All the stuff in that issue is probably going to be contained in the trade, I'm guessing. Um, but you won't get it in black and white anywhere else. So if you're really into that behind the scenes stuff, then you know. It might be worth the four ninety nine purchase or whatever it is. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I'm I'm just fascinated by it because you know just looking and analyzing 
the art, like you know, going back to the Batman Black and White, like the the Neil Adams story, because yeah. you know that was just like like pencils. And yeah, I was surprised. I, I love his ink so much. I was hoping he'd be inked, but uh, I don't know if he did that for a reason or he's late or what. But because like I, I think because um, when I I did my review, I think I think someone commented on how it, it was a little weird just seeing the pencils, but I, I guess it's. You know, as like a one-time deal, it's 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 kind of neat just seeing it like that because you know most of the time we see the complete finished product where it's it's penciled, inked, and then colored and lettered, and you know the whole shebang. So right. it, it's nice being able to see just the pure raw pencils of it. Right. Yeah. And his are so complete too. Uh, he, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he goes that complete on his pencils all the time if he's inking himself. But I know when I ink myself my pencils are pretty raw like they don't look that good at all but uh i was surprised how tight neil was i'm curious if he's that tight when he moves on to inks or if he just tightened it up for the pencils for the book you know yeah and that that was a that was a really strange story too yeah i uh i remember trying to withhold judgment as long as i could while i was flipping through that and uh i'm I'm trying to remember what it was about actually the the zombie (laughs) The, yeah, I know the zombie yeah. thing, but I'm trying to remember something about welfare or the problems of the world or something. Yes, I, I saw that comment where like, like it was a little preachy, but it's like, but but again, that was like a, a Batman story that we wouldn't normally get, that we couldn't normally get. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're not going right. to. So it, it, it's it's nice to just have something different. You know, this is you know a little opportunity to explore a different type yeah. of story. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I I would love if DC did more black and white treatments. Like if they did Hellblazer black and white. I mean, there's a character people could sink their teeth into, and just to do these little vignettes, uh, you could work with a lot of uh, characters. I think. Yeah. Um, they just have to find a lot of artists that can draw black and white. Mm-hmm. My only problem with the issue is, I I would because I think there's five different stories. I I would have liked if there was maybe like four. And then, like, right. everyone got, you know, a couple extra pages. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read that you saw, said that. And, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. There might be something to that. And, you know, it's just, I guess it's more of, you know, you want more of, you know, of what you're enjoying. Yeah. So, and I know there's, because, you know, like, like the, the, the first story, I, I had to kind of reread it when I, when I saw how it ended. I was like, wait, what, what happened? And then, you know, it almost felt like, and, and, you know, I, I really... Uh, it was Frank Cho, I think, did the art, and yeah. you know, I, I love the story. You know, just like the throwback, and you know, I think they're like meet at, at Spring Tower. You know, those you know throwback to Dick Spring, and so it, it would have just been nice to get more of that. But you know, I guess there's more issues coming, so we'll yeah. just enjoy. It. I'm just being greedy. I want more. No, no. It's funny when I first saw the first story, I thought it was uh, Darwin Cook. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then when I first saw Darwin, I thought it was Bruce Tim. So <laughs> I just need to look closer, I guess. Oh no! So um, now also is out it, your your um, black and white statue. Yeah. And have, did you say you haven't seen it yet? I haven't. <laughs> I, I I've seen it through glass because I went to Midtown just to look at it. I'm supposed to get some comps in the mail, which haven't arrived yet. Um, but I've seen lots of photos. So the ones that you sent me were really helpful too, because I haven't seen any close-ups like the ones that you took. Yeah, yeah, because I was surprised. Like, because I, 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 I've been kind of teasing it, um, and you know, because I put like I did a real close-up on my my iPhone, and you know, just 
to Instagram it because you know that's what everyone does and and just I, I was impressed with the the way it came out because it was outside and you know I'm I'm a big fan of natural lighting when I do right. these pictures so I just I took a bunch of pictures and I, I was I was so afraid because you know it, it seems now I believe there's there's like a like a metal pin or something in the arm hmm. for the support you, I would imagine yeah you know like okay so what do you know about the process uh, I mean. They say, "Hey, Sean, we want you to design a black and white statue." So you do your sketches. Yeah. Is, is that where it ends for you? Where you just like, okay, and then they're like, "Yeah, this will work," and then you just well, wait. It's funny they they actually asked me to redo it at first because the him doing a hand plant was Dustin Wynn did a hand plant with Batman Beyond, mm-hmm. and Jock had done one where he was just in free fall. Yeah, there might have been another one as well, and uh, they were afraid of having three hand plants in the same season. So they actually asked me to redo it with him just standing there, or as they call it, um, Batman waiting for a bus. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I'm not, I'm not redoing it. <laughs> they, they pay you for your, uh, your sketch. I said, I'd rather just do this next year. Like I can wait. I'd rather not do Batman just standing around like so many of the other ones are doing. So I sort of fought to get the hand plant going. And then when I drew it, I knew to draw it balanced so I really tried to make the arm thick because I and, and to make it have 50-50 weight distribution for the most part because I didn't want to have a stick or a support or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I've read an interview recently, and I guess they said they were all really excited when they saw it because um, it was such a challenge. I, I imagine it was. I didn't really never really heard that story. But uh, the cool thing with those statues is they just want you to do your thing, and then they figure out how to make it. They figure out how to render it. They figure out how to package it, because all the boxes are different sizes, because it all has to be custom, mm-hmm. you know, fit depending on the cape or whatever. So they really do make it uh, as easy as they can, and all they want out of you is just to be very detailed in your description if you want to be. So, um, yeah, it was one of the more fun, easier gigs I think I've done. Yeah, so uh, the nightstick. Yeah, the Dark Knight stick. <laughs> well, I drew it upside down like that, and I thought I, I needed more elements to show gravity. So I added the um, the Batarang has that cord to it, which is falling up. The cape, of course, does its job, but then I thought, I don't know. For some reason, I always thought it would be cool if Batman had a night stick because he can't carry a gun. What if he could just, you know, break people's kneecaps or something? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they didn't tell me not to draw it, so I threw it in there hoping they would go with it, and sure enough, they did, which is cool. And I also love like the the bottom of his boots. He's got like the little bat emblem. Oh, good! They got that in there. I was yeah, wondering. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's crazy to just yeah. So um, yeah. The the guy who did it, uh, I, I've said this a few times, so I don't mean to repeat myself. He did the uh, Mignola statue, which is still one of the best, if not not the best. Um, and he actually works with by hand with clay. A lot of them, I guess, are done now with. Um, they're sculpted digitally. So when I heard that he was still doing it old school, I thought, man, I got to try to get this guy, you know, just to make it really rough. And, um, yeah, I, mean, I only had like one revision. I think I asked him to make the boots a little bit chunkier, but that's pretty much it. He hit it. Uh, he, he hit the ground running, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to, to have that now. Yeah. No, thanks man. I'm, I was flattered that they made it number 50, whether it's by design or what, I don't know. Um, they might've just taken 
this seized the marketing opportunity with the sales of the wake being so good and with the batman black and white coming out maybe it all just lined up um by the way i'll, I'll take it yeah i mean it, it's an impressive piece and and like you, you said you know i mean all of them look really good and you know it's, it's great seeing all the other ones and and you know i've always been tempted to get it like like you know i'm, I'm a big mike allred fan so it's like you know, I wanted to get him. I even was eyeing the the, the Sergio Aragones one, yeah. just because yeah. it's it's so you know goofy. But right. like you said, you know they're all kind of standing there, you know, and, and they're kind of action yeah. pose or whatever. And so yeah. it it is cool that you know it, it's such an action pose. Yeah, and you now, know, most of them are just him standing around. Every once in a while, you'll see him taking a step off of yeah. the uh, the base. But uh, I think the best ones are. Like Sergio Garnas, he, he, it's totally his style. It's perfect. You know, mm-hmm. the Heath one is great. The Mignola one's great. Uh, Jock, I mean, you can really tell who's really trying to make it look different and really do something with the space versus the people who just turn in a sketch. I guess a lot of the artists would just hand DC an old sketch they'd done years ago and say, just use this. Like, they didn't really take much interest in designing something specifically for the statue uh which i thought was kind of kind of sad to hear because you would think that everybody would put on their their game face you know mm-hmm. um yeah but uh, yeah all the ones that you mentioned are, are my favorites as well in fact i wanted to do uh batman with pistols and then i found out cliff chang did it uh like oh fucking cliff chang <laughs> I told him that too because of course he figured it out because he's clever and he's interesting and he's not doing art that's just like all the other art out there so good for him but still <laughs> yeah um do do you do you know where you're gonna put yours on display um I don't know it's pro- probably on a boring shelf somewhere I don't really have a lot of um stuff and trinkets in my office uh we have kind of a small apartment um but uh, I'll find somewhere where it'll collect some dust, I'm sure. <laughs> but now, apparently, you bought a house in Portland. Yeah. Portland, Maine. Hopefully. We're still uh, in contract, and uh, every day it's looking good or looking bad. So at the moment, it looks like something bad might happen, but we're still moving forward as planned. So we'll see. Okay, because on your uh, DeviantArt page, uh, you announced that you're starting an apprenticeship. Yes. Yep. I'm looking for uh, five or six students to come up to Portland, Maine for a retreat. And they will live with me and my wife in our our, uh, our new house. And um, I'm turning the uh, attic into a studio. I'm going to buy some drafting tables. We're eventually going to launch a Kickstarter to help fund all this. Um, but the goal is to teach hands-on, really uh, in a sort of old-school master apprentice sort of relationship uh sort of like a a comic book boot camp and uh at the end of it uh we would produce an anthology so i would have you know 10 pages in there every student would have five pages in there and they would get a chance to be published with me using a script that i wrote for them um and then they could each take those books and maybe sell them at conventions to make some of their money back um so i've never heard of an idea quite like this in, in comics and I wasn't so sure about it but my wife really liked the idea so she sort of urged me to do it um, and now I've got all these uh, submissions coming in and a lot of really talented people a lot of women too which is I'm glad to see we tend to be such a male dominated industry you know yeah 
So uh, assuming it all works out, we'll um, start that in February. Uh, and if it goes well, we'll do another session in the summer and maybe um, it'll be like a regular thing, you know? That's really cool because, you know, you know at, at shows, you know, people sometimes you bring their portfolios and, you know, people look at it. So this is, I mean, to have someone like you, you know, saying, you know, taking them on, I mean, I, I could imagine that that'd be like an artist's you know, dream to, to be able to go through this. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, we're charging uh, two grand for the session, but they're being put up. Mm-hmm. Hotel will cost you a hundred bucks a night anyway, so most of the cost is just for you know living. So it, I think it's a good deal, but yeah, you know, two grand's a lot of money at the same time. So yeah, but I got a lot of students international who are interested, which is surprising. Yeah. Uh, they're going to co- spend more on flight than they are in the school. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, sorry. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, it's it, it is an investment because you know to you just your association, you know, being attached to you and this anthology and it would be a published piece of work you know that that's a great thing you know if if they're when they they move on to do you know their next job you say hey this is what i did and you know right. the great sean murphy thought i was good enough for this program <laughs> so they'd be like like that's yeah oh thanks and i i hope so i think part of it um is i i'm sort of saddened by the lack of um not only uh, business sense that they teach at art schools because they don't really teach business sense like they should, but they don't teach technical drawing like they should. So this is sort of a chance for me to teach students my way, um, which is how I was taught when I was an apprentice to uh, a teacher I had for years and years who was a World War II veteran. And uh, he really had like a good approach that was not artsy-fartsy, very practical, very, you know, World War, World War II. So... I've always appreciated that kind of work ethic, and there's there's so many artsy fartsy ways to to do art. I feel like it might be about time to have like a serious boot camp type of um, mentality uh, to prepare students the way I think they should be prepared. Uh, you know, to turn them into do-it-yourselfers. Uh, one of the things I'm going to stress is um, having these Skype interviews to make sure that they're engaged. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't just want them to be talented. I want them to be able to ask questions and sell themselves and um, pitch properly and be able to handle uh, talking to a group in a room. You know, I don't, introverted people are a dime a dozen, so I'm really looking for people that have kind of everything, you know? Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm sure I'm speaking very iconoclast in a very iconoclastic way right now, but um, in theory, I'd like to pull all of this stuff off, so we'll see. And so you're you're still taking submissions? Yeah, we're taking submissions up through October 1st. Okay. So uh, five pages of uh, black and white art, pencils and inks. Um, I actually have all the uh, requirements up on my DeviantArt page. Um, but I'm looking for students ages 21 to 35. Um, what else is there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link to this, you know, in, okay. in, the, in the comments. But um, I'm sure... If you know people listen to this on, off of iTunes, they can just just search Sean Gordon Murphy on DeviantArt, and they should be able to find the the post of this. Yep, spread the word. I think once we uh, have our Kickstarter going, um, we could maybe get some more buzz for it. That's the nice thing about Kickstarter; it's not just about getting extra money. It's actually good advertising commercial yeah. as well. You know. Now, what I'm not seeing, unless I'm just totally missing, it, is how do they send you to submissions? 
Um, on the site, uh, on DeviantArt, there's a link to uh, a, uh, a sheet that they download and they fill it out. Um, and then they send the submission to murphy.apprenticeship at uh, gmail.com. Okay. Yeah, people, if they're, they're willing and meet the requirements, they should definitely look into that. Yep. I got a lot of students working on stuff now to send in. I had a lot uh, at the start students who are already um, taking classes at, you know, other art colleges and whatnot. So they already have portfolios going. So that was easy for them. But um, I'm hoping them to get more and more uh, the next month or so. I already have like well over five that I could choose from, but I'm just curious to see what what else comes in, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Now, I know um, you got to get going soon. Um, One one last thing. uh, The Trouble with Dragons, is that the name of the book? Oh yeah, because um, I, I I I grabbed a copy at um at San Diego and and I've been meaning I I've been wanting to do like a spotlight post on it because I love Arkea. I mean they're they do a great job packaging and everything like that and it's it's a great great story. So you yeah. did the uh, the intro and yeah, so, well, you're the first person to ask me about that. Um, I tried to help my friend uh, Chris Northrop out. It was a an idea we created together years back when I was living in LA and um, he believed in it so much he plugged away at it on his own over the years and finally last year we, you know, we came up with a contract I gave him my blessing to you know do what he wanted with it you know so uh, they allowed me to do the intro which was which was fun um, and uh, I think it has some some interest as far as um, Hollywood goes but I'm not not really sure yeah I mean it, it, it's it's great story I mean it, it's it's fun and then you know there's some backup stories and wasn't part of it that, like, some of the stuff was done and it got stolen or lost? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he came to L.A. from New York. So he didn't have a car, didn't know how to drive. You know, he was under the, his, the wing of his protective Jewish mother his whole life. So Chris had a learning curve for sure. and People admit that. Anyway, one day he was walking around with all of his stuff, his laptop included. He got jumped in, uh, on La Brea, I think. And uh, they tasered him, and they took all of his stuff, and he lost a lot of his files and his computer and everything. He came over just devastated, and he just had this breakdown at, at my apartment on, uh, on Melrose. And, uh, and I felt really bad for the kid. Mostly I was annoyed that he didn't make a backup, but uh, I didn't uh, push it that night. Um, so anyway, when I was asked to write an intro, I thought, man, I got a great intro because I knew exactly what to say to get people to be like, what? He got tasered? <laughs> So without that story, I don't know if the intro would have been as good. Yeah, I mean it's a, it, it's it's definitely a book people should 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 check out. It's yeah. Uh, the uh, who's the artist? His name's dropping. His oh, name. I don't have that in front of me. I have the book downstairs on my desk because what I want what I want to do is like take some like actual pictures and not just like you yeah. know the, the the PR scans and just so you can see the the whole packaging yeah. of it because it's yeah. it's it's a Nice book. Oh, Jeff Jeff Stokely is his That's name. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris found him, and Jeff was trying to sort of use some of my Hellblazer style to to match what Chris had had as the art. And then you know he wrote me and asked my permission. I was like, yeah, fine. This looks great. You're, you're doing a, <clears throat> a better Sean Murphy than I am. Um, and uh, the art was amazing. I was surprised he was able to find somebody so good to pull it off. And uh, some of the stuff Jeff did, I ended up swiping from him because it was just such a such a cool style. Um, I think he's doing a book at Boom or something right now. 
But uh, whatever it is, I wrote him and I said, you're doing a killer job and I'd love to write something for you in the future if I ever, uh, you know, decide to start writing for other artists and whatnot. So he's got a real bright future in front of him. Did I say Trouble for Dragons? Because it's Reason for Dragons. Yeah, the Reason for Dragons. Okay. If I, I, sorry if I I said the wrong thing. It's not my book. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, people should definitely check that out. And and someday I will do that feature post on there because... I, I, th- I think it's a cool book, and I want to spread the word on that. Yeah, well, Tony, I really appreciate, uh, you know, your interview is always some of my favorite, because, like, no one's ever asked me about the statue, no one's asked me about that book, so uh, you always do your homework, and it's always a pleasure chatting. Well, see, he's not doing homework, it's just I'm just stuff I like, and it just, <laughs> the timing was right. So, okay, <laughs> um, so I know you got to get going. Um, the Wake, number four, is out on September 25th, Yep. so people should definitely check those out get the other issues if they crazily stupidly haven't read it yet because i know I, some people are like oh, i'm gonna wait for the trade but it's it's like you can't do that you just you got to get it buy the issues and then buy the trade again yeah it, well i gotta admit I'm a, I'm a trade waiter so i'm not a <laughs> see, I, i'm the sucker where i'll buy the issues and then I'll, I'll buy the trade again if if it's something i really like like you know punk oh. rock jesus obviously you know i have that and if they ever do uh you know whatever anniversary or you know colored I'm, I'm gonna get that yeah i I don't know they're uh they're still talking about a hardcover maybe a year from now um uh they just released a hardcover in france so if you can read french you can have that version yeah i can't read french but. yeah that's all right but there's the french like all the comps i get i usually keep my french comps because they do such a good job and they're all hardcover and they print it so nicely they're really putting us to shame over here yeah all right, so people need to look into that. Check your DeviantArt page. Um, go buy the, the statue. They can get it from DCCollectibles.com or you know the, the store in DC. And um, so you got the wake, you got your statue, you got your apprenticeship. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would tell you more, but uh, I can't talk about my plans for after the wake. Okay, well, but it may or may not be with DC, so we'll see. Okay, well, that you'll have to come on again then. When, oh, I'd love to anytime, okay. man. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Sean. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate all your help. All right. So we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Thanks, everybody. All right. Let's get to some questions. You can ask me questions on the Ask G-Man video questions thread in the general form. You can ask on Twitter. So my Twitter is G-Man from Heck. You can use a hashtag Ask G-Man. Um, and... As you know, we've discussed the last few weeks, the Ask G-Man hashtag is, is kind of being shared, it, it seems. Uh, there's a lot of phishing questions going on. <laughs> um, there's some interesting ones here. So I, I still want to leave this option open. You know, I still will check it. Hopefully they won't get lost. But another option that I'm going to open up now is you can also ask questions on my Tumblr so my Tumblr is just gmanfromheck.tumblr.com. So uh, the benefit there is there they won't get mixed in with all the fishing questions because I'm not a fisher and I'm not a fisherman. Um, and you will have more than the 144 characters or whatever Twitter limits you to. So that will be your your options there. Uh, so let's let's actually while we're talking about Twitter with that. There's some interesting ones here. This first one is from Chatham96. 
He says, do you think fans will be upset about Rocket Raccoon not being British unless Cooper does a British voice? So that's an interesting question. And the way it comes down to as to why, you know, why was Bradley Cooper chosen? Um, you know, I, I like the guy. I think he's a great actor. And I think I mentioned before, you know, since he was on Alias, that TV show with Jennifer Garner. He, you know, he was good in there. And, of course, the Hangover movies and uh, Silver Linings Playbook, he was really good in there. I I think a, a guy like him, an actor, because I think he's a good actor, and um, some people think he's got the twinkly eyes and all that. He, obviously, you'd want him in an actual, you know, live-action movie. You'd want him, not just his voice. So it's it's, it's interesting that they, they went with this casting choice because if you're just casting someone to do the voice, same thing with, with – uh, What's his name? Vin Diesel doing the voice of Groot. Uh, the only way I can think of it, and I don't know if either one has have spoken about why they've they've done this, or if anyone you know Marvel Studios has has mentioned this. It's most likely that these actors probably want to do something, but maybe their schedule doesn't allow them to do you know months or whatever months and months of of, of shooting and then possible reshooting, and. You know, there's also like, what is the right role for them? Because it's it's not like they can just say, "Hey, I want to be in a movie. Make me Doctor Strange." And it's like, "Sorry, Vin Diesel. I, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to work." So it it could just be a matter of the actors want to do it. It's doing voiceover is not as intensive as doing the you know live action where you don't have to actually be there. Possibly, you know, due to the green screen or blue screen work or whatever. And it's also a way for the studio to say. Here's all the actors in this movie. Plus, we have Vin Diesel. Plus, we have Bradley Cooper. So, you know, it, it's just it's more names, more actors that they can, you know, add to the the list of credits. Um, as far as the voice, I'm sure they've thought long and hard about this because yeah, I, I voiced my opinion on on the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. You know, I I love the idea, I love the characters, I love the concept. I've I've expressed that I've been a little hesitant. Um, a little cautious about this actually being a successful movie. And I'm sure it will because just having, you know, people are like, oh, it's another Marvel Studios. You know, this is, it's something comic book. It's going to be cool because we like the, all the other ones. The, what, what I feel they have going against them is there's no big superheroes in there. There's no big comic characters. People don't know. And I'm talking about the people that go to the movie theaters, not you or I, people are listening to this. You know, we all know who Rocky Raccoon is. We know who Star Lord is and you know, all that. So the the, the average person, they're not going to know. So are they going to say, okay, here's a comic book movie, comic book, sci-fi movie. I don't know anything about it. Sure. Let's go check it out. You know, so there's always that, that question there. So I would think when it comes to something like Rocket Raccoon, because for the, for the comic fans, obviously, you know, we've all had our eyes on this. Like, you know, who are they going to cast? And, you know, we've been watching this closely. And there, there's a lot of potential there because, you know, this is, uh, in a sense, a beloved character that's, you know, regained its pop- his popularity lately. You know they're going to want to cast him right. They're going to want to do it right. They're not going to say, let's just get some big-name actor if he's not, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, people recognize his voice. So I, I don't really know how they're gonna, what they're going to do. I would think they would, it, you know, if, if they decide to say, hey, let's go with the British accent, 
they would say, hey, Mr. Bradley Cooper, can you do a British accent? But then also at the same time, if if you're going to get a, a big name actor to do a voice, you want his voice to be recognizable. You know, you don't want them to alter it or, you know, try to do something else. So I don't really know. Um, but then the big question, will fans be upset? It's, it, you know, that's probably like the least of their concerns because it, Unfortunately, when it comes to the movies, Hollywood movies, we're we're kind of you know the second thing. We're we're not their top priority because you know they they need to do what they need to do to sell the movie to the average moviegoer that doesn't know anything about comics, and then you know the whatever couple hundred thousand five. You know, how many how many how many people going to see the movie actually know the comics because yeah, I'm basing it on comic book sales, which I know that's not the same thing. Uh, you know, if, if a top selling comic books these days are around 200,000, which, which is sad compared to what, what they used to be. Uh, so, you know, how many people know who Rocky raccoon is and say, you know, he should sound like this and you know, yeah, this is a character that's been around before. So I'm spending so much time talking about Rocky raccoon. Um, so I, I hopefully it will, they'll do it right. They'll go with the right direction, and they will won't try to upset anyone who has a vested interest in the character. And you know, I, I just I I have to have faith in Marvel Studios because they've been you know doing a pretty good job with everything so far with all the casting. And you know, I, I think Bradley Cooper will do a good job. Now, the next question on Twitter from the Ask G Man hashtag set of questions. Is from Dizzy Day, so D A I. He says, "What kind of line would you use to reel in Aquaman?" And there's also the next question is from Dreamfall Thirty One. What is the best kind of bait to lure in Namor with? So, I'm going to assume these questions are for me, even though they're slightly fish fishing fisherman questions. Um, as far as what kind of line would you use to reel in Aquaman? You're gonna need a really, really tough one. I mean, you, you, you're not a regular fishing line. It's not gonna work. I mean, yeah, fishing lines are are kind of tough. You, know, you can't just like rip it with your hands because you know probably end up like slicing your hands because you know it's so thin and, and and sturdy or whatever. Not sturdy, but you know. So to to reel in Aquaman, you'd need something really strong, and you know, like I don't even think like a chain would work because he could probably you know how strong is Aquaman? You know, he's he's got to be strong, especially you know. To go deep down within the, the, the harsh, whatever super water pressure, <laughs> my words are failing me right now. So you, I'm going to say you'd need something really sturdy, like not maybe not even a steel cable would work. So you'd have to really really plan carefully if you were going to try to reel in Aquaman. Um, or what kind of line would you would you use? You could say, "Hey, Aquaman." <laughs> You I don't, I, you know, I don't even have a pickup line that, that has to deal with fish. Oh my goodness, it's late in the day. <laughs> um, this next, the second, okay. Similarly, for the, what's the best kind of bait to lure Namor with? It, it, Susan Storm, or Susan Richards, of course. You know, Invisible Woman, or, even if it's like a picture, or like, hey Namor, here's a, a DVD with some some special footage of Sue. Come and get it. I don't even know. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Act Effect. This is Dominic. Um, he says, 
Uh, if a telepath were to discreetly sift through your memories without permission, would you be aware of it happening? Comic examples. Now, by comic examples, I, I'm assuming you want like like what what series or issue that this actually happened. I don't think you would know. Um, and again, I, I don't have a, a specific example, but if it's a trained telepath, you know, if, if we're talking about being discreet, they're going to know what they're doing. They're going to know how to how to poke around there because the, I, I don't think the average person, it's not like you, you get like like a an itch in the back of your, your mind or anything like that. You're not going to know if someone's rooting around there. Now, if the person has any sort of psychic or telepathic ability themselves or if they happen to have a psychic telepathic shield which seems like so many people have these days you know they might be able to feel like someone like pushing against it however that would work so if if they were careful i don't think people would know because you know sometimes telepaths they you know people it's it's almost like they're screaming their thoughts so they they kind of pick up on it without you know really intending to so the person is probably not aware that's happening so i'm going to say if someone is a telepath and if, if they're careful enough you know not just like jump into your mind and you know start rooting around if they can be discreet and just kind of do it ninja style that they can probably go in there now like I'm this expert on telepathy, but I'm going to say, you know, if, if, if let's say you, Dominic, you are the telepath and you are going to try to root around in someone's memories, like yours is okay. You know, my uncle Charlie, he, you know, he, he's got this, <laughs> he, he was a fisherman and was asking questions here. He found his buried treasure and he, he unburied it and then he hid it somewhere, but he's not telling anyone because uncle Charlie you know he's he's kind of like the black sheep of the family, and he's he's kind of a jerk too. You know he 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 slept on our couch for like like a month and a half. You know he ate our food, he ate all my 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 Doritos, but he doesn't want to repay that, and because he knows that he has this buried treasure that he unburied, and and maybe he buried it somewhere else. He's got it hidden somewhere. He doesn't want to tell us where it's at. He's he's so determined. He's just such a jerk. So I'm going to use my telepathy. I'm going to go into Uncle Charlie's brain and his mind and try to find out where he's hiding it. Now, I'm not going to take it from him, but just, you know, should something happen to Uncle Charlie, you know, because he doesn't always look both ways when he crosses the road, I'm going to go in there. So if, if you have something that someone's really protecting, they, they might feel the, or they might kind of sense the intrusion. Or if you're looking, you know, trying to dig out a memory, you know, if someone had one when you know when they were a kid, you know, like years and years back. If you have to go like really deep, something that maybe someone forgot about, you know, like I don't remember the first time I watched the Bionic Man, you know, what episode it was, so or Six Million Dollar Man. So, so I I think that that <laughs> that would would make a difference. That if it was a deep deep memory, like buried, or if it's something that they're really trying to be protective and and safeguard. So those are my answers. If there's any um, telepaths out there, let me know if, if I'm on the right track with that. All right, let's go to the forums. This is from PuppetMaster75. He says, thank you so much for the suggestions for new independent books to read. My deployment was very successful with some 
new trades to stay occupied. That's great. So um, Puppet Master 75, um, I remember. I think remember the question. So he's, he's being deployed. Um, I was at Comic-Con all four days but didn't get to see any of you guys. Oh, that's – I'm sorry. Um, I always – you know, speaking of that, it's like I always I – w- I would like to do some sort of like the, – the problem with doing like the meet and greets at any convention is it's it's always hard to coordinate it and – you know, our, our time is so jam-packed, and I'm not saying we don't have time for you guys because I I love when you, when you guys come up, and you know it's it's not it's not like it's, it's a stroke stroking my ego, but it's it's a it's a nice feeling because I'm I'm very appreciative of all you guys, and I, I you know I, I'm being totally honest with that. You know that's why I have like the buttons and the stickers that you know I want to give you guys. That's my little way of saying thanks. So the the problem is you know our our time is is so incredibly stretched that you know if if we do do it at the wrong time if only like like 5 people or 10 people or 20 people can show up you know it's 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 just hard to to figure that out and then there's there's also especially like somewhere like like San Diego it's like finding a venue cuz everything is jam packed i mean un- unless you're going to like unload you know buckets of money to reserve a place you know months and months in advance it's just it's it's really hard uh so that's why sometimes the smaller places are, are easier. What I uh, tried doing this year, uh, well, I, I didn't do it like in general, but some people at replied me on Twitter. They're like, hey, you know, where are you at or something like that? And then I had some some schedule interviews or I, I knew where we would be because um, I coordinate, you know, all, all the interviews and, and say, hey, what is so-and-so? Hey, Matt. Hey, Greg. Hey, Jen. Can you do this one at this time here? So – I would tell people like, yeah, I'm going to be at the DC booth at you know twelve ten. So, and and you know that worked. You know, a lot of people were, or, you know, not a lot, but some people were able able to find us that way. So that's something else. Now again, we will for everyone listening, not just for Puppet Master seventy five, because I don't know if you'll be able to make it. Uh, we will be at New York Comic Con. So I will be there. Jen will be there. Matt, we were able to get him to to leave Chicago. He usually doesn't. Um, go east. He'll go west. He, he's gone to San Diego. Greg should be there because it's like close t- to his neighborhood. Not not really, but sort of. Um, and I have maybe you're gonna be. Uh, we'll have a, a camera person, and I, I won't. I won't reveal that yet. You'll see if you guys can figure it out. Unless we talked about it on, on last Friday's podcast, and it was given away. So we'll be there. Um, so the same thing. I, I imagine as with San Diego, you know, I will have some scheduled interviews lined up. Um, you know, and some points we'll just go up, you know, whatever the Marvel booth or DC booth or Artist Alley, and you know, try to do things on the fly. Uh, so if, if I know where we're going to be at, at some points, you know, I'll, I'll I'll try to let you guys know if you're you know interested in, in coming by and saying hi and so forth. Um, and then also in November, I think it's the 20th, 22nd or something like that, uh, Jen and I will be at Long Beach Comic Con. So that's a two-day con in Long Beach. I, I like – I really like Long Beach. So this is our fifth year there and I've gone every single year and it's it's a great – it's it's a nice intimate um, convention. But So it's, it's – I'm – and there's – you know, Jimmy Palmiotti is going to be there, Amanda Connor, Mark Wade, um, Brian Bucciolato guy. So it, it, it's, I'm excited about that. Also in September, this month, 
in a couple weeks. Uh, Jen and I will be at Rose City Comic Con, so up in Portland, Oregon. So if you're in any of those areas, I mean, you try to contact me on Twitter, and you know, we'll, we'll see. All right, going back to Puppet Master 75, he says, I did run into Brian Bucciolato, and he did his famous Halle Berry impression. Wow, so you were lucky. You got to hear that live. You know, I don't even think I've, I've had the live Halle Berry impression. My question is, how much... So here's where we to get to the question. How much does a comic increase in value if you have an artist writer sign it? This is a, a tricky question. Uh, you know, it really depends on on what you're going to do with it. Like, if you're going to get it CGC graded, I'm sure they have some sort of guideline with that. And if you know, if you're just going to keep it yourself, and the the main thing with with getting anything signed, you know, whether it's it's piece of art, it's a comic book, you know, a trade, is there's a question of, of can you prove that it's actually that person? Because unfortunately, there are people out there who will. Uh, you know, try try to do forgeries, try to do fake stuff. I mean, it's it it sucks that people will do that, and I hope no one out here or out there listening would would even think to do something like that. So there's a question of can you prove that that person actually signed it? What I would suggest, you know, if you can't get a certificate of authenticity, uh, you know, get a picture. Uh, you know, if, if you're having them draw something for you, you know, get a picture of them, them doing it, if, if, or even signing. But then, you know, the other thing where I look at it is, I, I see for me, if I were to get something signed or get a sketch, you know, that would be for me and I wouldn't sell it. And you know, maybe because I just have a hard time just selling things, you know, because I have some comics that are worth some money, but it's like I wouldn't really think about selling it. You know, I'd, I'd rather pass it along to my daughter or, you know, or, or give it away to, you know. So it's like there's just that big question of does it add value? Because a signature, you know, it, it should add value, but can you prove that they actually did it? My my local bookstore, you know, sometimes they'll have uh, our, you know, writers come in. And they'll have autographed editions of the book. I don't remember if, if they actually charge anymore. I think they usually kind of do it as like a bonus, where it's like, "Hey, here's a book. You buy it in our store. You get it. You know, you get it signed for free." And and it's usually the case, like when when if you are there for because you know, I've seen them like on the shelves, like there'll be a little like a, a something under saying like signed edition, and you know, it, I think it costs the same thing because it's just like if a, a writer is doing an in store signing they don't charge you more for that. You know, they, they want you to buy the book there and then the artist will sign it and then you can say, Hey, thanks. So I, I don't really know. Um, I, I guess an easy way to, 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 to try to do like a, an informal check is just look on eBay and, you know, what type in, you know, if you're looking for a particular comic, you know, something and just like, you know, signed or autographed, um, Autograph comic. I mean, some stuff may come up there. Or if you want to see, like, you know, Jim Lee, X Men, you know, see if anything signed. I'm sure you can see if there's anything that is signed there and see what, like, they're going for. And if it was, like, you know, Uncanny X Men 257, you know, can you find a regular one? Can you find a signed one? And, you know, is there a difference? And, you know, are people bidding on it? Because that, that's the main thing. Don't just go by what people are trying to sell it for, you know, what, what their starting price is. So 
So, um, other question is now that it's confirmed, we will see a Batman Superman movie. What storyline do you think they will use, and how could they possibly top the huge, hugely successful Marvel movies? That is a good question. You know, like what route are they going to go with this? Because you know, originally they said we're we're not going to do you know the marvel style you know we we want to do these these separately cuz you know our characters each can stand on their own whether they decide well it's working for marvel or maybe you know it just came out that you know it's like now's the time to do it whatever you know it doesn't matter so they're going to do that as far as w- what story they're going to do and you know i honestly never really thought about it but just a split second what i thought about was from the Superman Batman series uh, with Supergirl, where you know ship is in the bottom of, of the bay, or whatever, and and Batman goes there. You know they find all the kryptonite, and and that's where they find find Kara. I think that would be cool if they did that, but you don't have the friendship of of Bruce and Clark, so you know that would would have to change a little bit, and. Introducing Batman, not that you know he needs an introduction, but for this particular incarnation, we'd have to know what Batman do we have? You know, what is his story? How long? You know, because that's the other question. How long has he been Batman? Has he been you know Batman for years and years, just you know operating as an urban myth in Gotham City, so he didn't get like national attention? He stayed off out of the cameras like he should. You know, Batman shouldn't be seen. You know, at at a crime scene, and you know, with re- reporters or photographers taking his picture. So it really depends on on how they're going to go. So be, because of that, because it's the first time they're going to be together, I don't think they would go with with that that storyline. There's also the question is with the destruction that that happened in Metropolis. You know, we, we can assume that maybe Lex Luthor is going to step in to try to help rebuild the city, and possibly Bruce Wayne will come in. You know, millionaire philanthropist, millionaire Bruce Wayne, billionaire, billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. He may decide to try to invest, help rebuild Metropolis too, and then you know maybe he see maybe he's just really angry. He's like, or maybe you know someone close to Bruce like. You know, maybe there was a subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises in Metropolis. So, you know, a bunch of of Bruce's employees or someone close to him. So maybe he just he blames Superman for all this destruction. So he's like, This guy's gotta go down and I'm not the one to do it. I'm Batman. So I don't know. it's it's probably gonna be like that because what I think people are gonna wanna see, they're gonna wanna see Superman versus batman they're going to want to see these two fights uh you know how are they going to do that you know if if superman can go up against uh, zod you know that's one thing but i think i really think that that's what what people are going to want to see so we'll have that typical cliche comic book moment and we'll all be cheering for it we want to see the two fighting and then they realize hey we're actually on the same side and there's like lex Luthor over there or brainiac or joker someone and we got to stop him. So that's probably what's going to happen. Maybe. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, let's see. And then Puppet Master 95 says, I absolutely love you guys and was extremely disappointed to miss you guys all four days. LOL. 
keep up the great work and I'm always tuning in. So thank you, Puppet Master 75. That's great. Um, we, yeah, we, we definitely got to do something. We, I wish there was an easier way. I, you know, I, I wish I could go to like, every single convention to make it easier for people that are because not everyone can go to San Diego. You know, if you're in, you know, Indiana, you may not have the means. And plus, you know, it's impossible to try to get a ticket. And if you get a ticket, trying to get a hotel. So I don't know. Uh, let's see. Curse Pace T. I just heard that the Nova Corps are going to be in Guardians. If so, should a human Nova appear and who should play such a character and which one? Obviously, I want Rich Richard Ryder to be in a movie. But part of me is if they're going with this current um, incarnation of Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, maybe he shouldn't appear just yet, if we're looking at the way the comics are now because you know, it kind of seems like they'd want to keep it sort of similar to that. Maybe you know they introduce a Nova Corps and then either at the end of the movie or during the movie or in the next movie – it's it's set up where, oh, we need a Nova Corps member on Earth. Hey, there's this kid who's playing basketball. And that's how it happened in the comics. Um, so, yeah, obviously I, I want Rich Ryder. Yeah, I, I do like Sam Alexander. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I, I'd love that series too. But I think if you're going to start off, start with, with, with Rich, Richard. Kid Bucket, Kid Nova, Buckethead. Uh, let's see. Van 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 Dyne JD nineteen ninety one says, "Hey J man, I was wondering what you thought about the big reveal of the Avengers sequel being titled Avengers: Age of Ultron and all the subsequent news to come out about it, especially Hank Pym not creating Ultron." Um, so uh, obviously this is from a little bit ago. Uh, it's I I do I I I think I I may have said yeah I want Ultron as there. I, but that was under the impression that we would have Hank Pym, you know, introduce Ant-Man, you know, Hank Pym, scientist, whatever, he's working with, with robotics and AI or whatever. Oops, I created Ultron and then, hey, Avengers, help. So I think that would be cool. As far as him not being involved, yeah, that, that kind of bothers me, but you know, I'll, I'll let go of it. You know, to me, that's not the same as like my prom with Man of Steel, which, you know, I didn't hate the movie. I just was you know, saddened and bothered by, you know, certain aspects of it. So something like this, maybe because I'm not, it's, I don't, I mean, I really do dig Ultron. I, th- I think, you know, he'll be a cool movie villain, but it's not like he's like my absolute favorite. favorite. It's, you know, if, if they said, okay, we're going to have some, some dude living in the Bronx become Dr. Doom, I, you know, that would really bother me. But for something like this, like, okay, someone else created Ultron. All right, that's fine. I get it. The benefit of, of not having introduced Ultron and Hank Pym, obviously there's there's more room for story. Um, if if we if they had an Ant Man movie first and then Ultron came in, that could work out better. But it's not going to be that way. So I'm okay with that. I'm really curious how how they see it. I don't know if Ultron is enough on his own to you know to to need you know he's he's a tough character. Especially he's made out of adamantium, which we don't know about that. If they're even able to use adamantium because Fox and X Men, but it you would think, and just with the track record, there'll probably be someone else, you know, some other threat. So we just have to wait and see what else pops up with that because I don't I don't see them just going with 
Ultron. Bucko3 has a couple questions. Do you think there are too many X-Men books? Uh, unfortunately, I, I'd have to say, yeah, I, I kind of think there are. Um, it's It's a tough thing because... You know, when something's successful, obviously when you have a good thing, you know, you, you can't get enough of a good thing, they say. But when it comes to successful comic or good comic book franchises, sometimes you can get too much of a good thing. The, the nice thing about the different X-Men books is a lot of them have different feels. So, you know, we, we have Brian Michael Bendis is doing all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. They kind of go together, but they also they also they're. They're, they're pretty different, and I you know, won't get into Battle of Adam just yet. All-new X-Men you know, is dealing with the time-displaced, the young X-Men brought to the present. Uncanny X-Men is dealing with Cyclops. You know, he's the, the terrorist you know, X-Men. You know, that's how people see him. He's doing his own thing. So there's some interaction there, but you know, they've been remaining pretty much separate. Then we have Wolverine and the X-Men by Jason Aaron, and that's you know, dealing with Wolverine, with the, the Jean Grey Institute, uh, so you know that's definitely ha- obviously has a different feel there as well. There's been a lot of stuff with the, the Hellfire Club and all that. Now I believe, am I wrong? Correct me if I'm wrong. That that series is ending, and then we're getting—is it Amazing X-Men? It's whatever the one where a certain blue furry character is supposed to come back, and it shouldn't be a spoiler. It was hinted in the last issue of Wolverine and the X-Men. Hinted, it was practically shown there, and you know there was a big press release when I what, what convention was that because I remember I remember writing it up at the airport um, I don't think it was maybe it was San Diego when I was was it San Diego no not San Diego whatever it doesn't matter so I, I believe you know those two we're, we're not gaining another series right there but you know that, that's gonna just take the place of it then we have X-Men the Brian Wood X-Men so that was supposed to be you know the all-female book so we have psylocke we have storm we have uh rogue we have rachel uh kitty pride jubilee um and then the baby baby boy um kojo is that his name uh so that kind of has a different feel in itself also because it's it's the female roster so we have that uh what else do we have uncanny x-force is it's an X-Men book, but not really because it's X-Force. So I don't know if you really want to count that, even though that is Psylocke and Storm and Bishop, kind of, and um, Puck and Spiral, even though they're not really a team just yet. But there's that. Um, then there's X-Men Legacy, which is dealing with Legion. Um, that's a book I really want to like. I just, I just don't I don't like Legion. I never liked the character. And maybe it's because of his haircut he just always bothered me. So I, I'm, <laughs> I hate to say it, but if, if that book went away, I'm, I'm still buying the book. I'm buying it every month. Love the covers. I just can't bring myself to actually read them because I don't like Legion. I mean, it could be you know one of the best written comics out there. I don't know. I just, I have a hard time with, with that. Um, Let's see what what other is. Are there any other? There's got to be more X Men books. You know, there's Ultimate X Men, but that's I don't. Do you, do you count that as an X Men book? So what it comes down to, see, yeah, there's are there are a lot of X Men books. You know, they all are kind of different. Now with Battle of the Atom, 
you are kind of forced to read all of them. Uh, yeah, I guess it's going to depend on how how is each chapter. You know, are you going to completely miss something? To say I'm not reading X Men, and then you know you, you skip that part. Are you going to be like, what the heck? You know, there'll probably be some recap, but you probably benefit from having actually read it. So I don't know how that's going to go. But if you are a big X Men fan, then you probably are buying all the books. But then again, not everyone can afford every books because comics are not cheap these days. So there are a lot. It's you know just like there's a lot of Avengers books. There's a lot of Batman books. Uh, but the publishers have no mercy on this. And, and you know, what, what makes it worse is a lot of times the books are, are really good. You know, most of them are really good. So it's not like you can say, yeah, I don't really like that book. I'm just not going to buy it. It's like, no, you, you you try to decide which one to stop getting. It's, 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 it's tough. All right, second question. Do you think that Pixar will make a Marvel animated movie or TV show because of the Marvel TV shows that are are on now just aren't cutting it? I don't think that's going to happen. I, you know, Pixar is working on only like their own creations. Um, they're they're not, you know, they're like Pixar is going to do like a Mickey Mouse movie, and you know, because Disney Disney has their own animated studio. You know, they've what they they just did that Planes movie, which I still haven't seen. So even though that seems like an offshoot of Cars, it's not a Pixar movie. Uh, they also did Bolt, which you know I, I like Bolt. Uh, so it's, it's not going to happen as, as far as like TV shows, I'm not watching the, the current Avengers one. I, I missed when it started. I didn't set my DVR and I, I think there's still a couple of earth's mightiest heroes that I haven't watched. So I was, I was like, I'm not going to start up a, another Avengers one. Cause you know, there's just too much, uh, ultimate Spider-Man, you know, that, you know, you can if you like Spider Man, you you kind of watch it. It's it can be hard sometimes because it's a different type of humor, and you know I, I get what they're going with, and it, the show does bring some good things. And I know some people are probably telling me they're, they're crazy, or I'm crazy. Uh, but obviously, it's it's not the Spider Man that we would like. That some of us would would like uh, Hulk and Agents of Smash. I'm kind of having fun with with that. It, it's it's goofy, you know. You, you got Seth Green on there, so yeah, it's gonna be be goofy. But the idea of Hulk and She Hulk and Red Hulk, A Bomb and Scar, I, it, it's it's kind of crazy. And you you got Eliza Dushku in there also. It's I'm really curious where they're gonna go with this. You know, how long will will that series go? You know, are they gonna have enough stories to justify having a bunch of Hulks hanging out? So. I don't know. Um, but it would be nice if, if we had an animated movie. You know, would they ever make an animated movie you know, rather than just you know TV shows and then live action movies? It, it seems like they, they got to have, you know, Marvel has to have a bunch of animated, you know, an, animators. Jeez, I, I don't, can't even talk. So I, it would be, be really cool to see, you know, maybe we'll get a Moon Knight animated movie or, you know, something that – maybe wouldn't necessarily work as live action. You know, maybe there's not quite the audience. So it's just hard, you know, or even, you know, just do, do straight to the video movies, animated movies like DC is doing, you know, the the DC animated movies are really good. They're a little short, but you know, obviously they, they have to be successful enough 
for DC to, to keep doing them, even though they're all like Superman and Batman or Justice League. So I'd, I'd like to see more, but Pixar, they're not going to do one. I, I just I don't see that happening. Okay, let's see. Poncho says, I love Marvel, but I don't really understand the aftermath of Avengers versus X-Men. Cyclops uses Phoenix powers to make, quote-unquote, make new mutants. But are these new characters actually mutants or humans that have been given superpowers? Even if they have the X gene, they got it from the Phoenix Force and not through evolution or heredity. The Marvel Now books have been fantastic, so I guess it's a moot point. Anyways, just want to hear your thoughts. I don't know if this has ever been addressed. I would think there's probably some interview somewhere where this came up. My my understanding, and, and I would have to go back and, and reread you know the final issue, I think the Phoenix Force kind of kicked in. So all these, these mutants that are popping up now, they had the X gene in them, but because of M-Day and all that, the, the X gene was just dormant. Just It wasn't working. You know, there, were, there was nothing there. So the Phoenix Force kind of gave it the kick, the spark or whatever that brought it back out. So that's why you, you're seeing, you know, we're, we're not just getting a bunch of new mutants that are in their, you know, just hitting puberty. It's, it's just they, they've had the, the gene in them and it, it just it was turned off. You know, like I'm sure, you know, we have genes for certain traits that just don't do anything. So that's that's the way I see it. So it's not like all of a sudden, uh, like the gold balls. You know, it's not like he was just a regular guy, and all of a sudden, ta-da! You get to make gold balls shoot out of your chest. So I, I think he had that potential, and had things not occurred during M Day, and notice how I'm, I'm trying not to place blame on, on a certain person. They still would have probably become a mutant, you know, normally. So that's that's the way I see it. That that they had it, they had the potential. It just it it was broken. It wasn't working. But now they are mutants. Make sense? What do you guys think? And again, it, someone please put a comment if this has been touched on somewhere else. Where it's like, nope, he made him out of out of his butt, which would be gross. And Zero says, G-Man, do you see Marvel keeping the four resurrected horsemen around after Uncanny Avengers saga? Or do some of them just not fit into the universe at this moment? Could there be interesting stories with Banshee, Dokken, Sentry, and Grim Reaper in your opinion? Uh, so that's a good question. None of these characters, so I'm trying to think of these characters... It's possible that they they could remain horsemen, but they'll something will happen. They'll go in some stasis, or you know, they'll something will happen where they won't be just running around all the time, you know, causing mischief. None of these characters, I hate to say, it, you know, are are truly characters. Like if if you took someone like Wolverine or Cyclops, who you know had some stuff messed with like that um, before, you, you're not going to basically what I'm saying. You 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 can't take an A list or A tier character. And turn him into a horseman of apocalypse. You can take someone, even someone like Banshee, who you know a lot of people have been waiting for his return. You you can't you know you're, you're these characters that came back they can remain horsemen. You know if if they brought Nightcrawler back as a horseman, that would be a problem because you know people don't want that. Uh, I haven't heard like an an ongoing outcry over Banshee or, or Dokken or even Sentry. You know. 
So I think that they're going to stick around like that. There may be some magical cure that fixes them. We'll just have to wait and see how that happens. But I, I could see them remaining a horseman for a while and not just like all of a sudden they're, they're magically better. Because the same thing, it's like I don't know if we really want Sentry back because he got to be – You know, the problem was he was just too powerful – and it's like, you know, what what do you do with them? And that's where just things kept getting crazier and crazier. And and Dokken, you know, he I like the character. You know, what what more is there to do with him? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he always gonna be, you know, going after Wolverine, causing problems there? So I see them staying horsemen for a while. And you know, just going in, you know, comic book limbo until the next needs, you know, next need for them comes up zimmy g says hey g man if someone were to announce a speed racer ongoing who would you want the writer artist to be would you want a continuation reboot or remake oh boy um as far okay writer is gonna be tough i'm trying to think uh i don't know who i'd want as a writer obviously it would have to be someone that really knows and cares about the character. You know, if it was someone like, I don't know anything about Speed Racer, but yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. He dri- drives a car, he's got a bunch of buttons, does different things. So it would have to be someone who, who gets a character that, that could really do it justice. As far as, as an artist, first person that, that comes to mind is Marcio Takara. I think, you know, he could do a really great job with that. Um, I know Brett Booth. I th- I think I seem to recall maybe he he expressed enjoying the movie. Um, that that could be interesting to see his take on there. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna say Marcio Takara would be my my first choice. Continuation reboot or remake? Oh, that's tough. I I would kind of like a continuation. They did do a Speed Racer: The Next Generation animated series on Nickelodeon. Unfortunately, wasn't I mean for me the art was just off a little bit. I mean it, it they didn't capture the magic of the original. But what what the deal was with that is this was like years later where Speed actually had two kids, um, and one was named Speed, and the other was named X, <laughs> and they're like in their their late teens and they're at this racing academy and the kid Speed didn't even know that Speed was really his dad. So he must have just figured his mom or someone was a fan, which could be possible. You know, he didn't know whose dad was or something like that. Uh, and uh, um, headmaster of the school was Spritel. And Spritel was like like an, an like older man. He was what, like probably like his 50s or, or, you know, something like that. 60s maybe. I don't know how old he would be. Um, and the story was that Speed Racer had, had disappeared and you know, I guess Trixie did too. So that's why he had to kind of put his kids up in hiding so they'd be safe, and they didn't know where he was at. So basically, we never get, we never did find out what happened to them, whether you know Speed and Trixie were, were still around or not, or what happened to Chim Chim. You know, because he, you know, I don't think know how long chimps live. So that's the sad part. Um, yeah, I mean, I I tried watching the. The cartoon, you know, my my daughter when it was on, you know, she was young enough for you know, she she dug it because uh, you know we, we were watching the original. 
I don't think we watched the last couple. Of course, we didn't watch the last couple episodes. It just, and I don't think there's any closure. I think it just ended, the season ended, whatever. It didn't get renewed. Uh, but as as far as continuing, you know, not ignoring all that, continuing more from where the series left off. I don't want to spoil a, an anime, a show that was on. I wouldn't start in the sixties. Um, but at, at the end, you know, speed, cause speed racer always wondered, like, is racer X my brother? You know, no, he can't be busy. So the last episode, he kind of confronts him and, you know, he, he gets an answer whether he believes it or not, whatever. So it, it, it'd be interesting to go from there to know what happens next. But there's also the, you know, the nice thing is every time they came up where he didn't really know. And, uh, I don't know. I, I part of me wouldn't necessarily want it to continue to kind of be step forward, but you know maybe there, there's something that could could be done from there. Man, making me sad because I I don't see this happening. Um, Zimmy Geo says, also want to know what your thoughts on the Speed Racer movie. If you've seen it, I've seen that movie so many times. I own it on Blu-ray. That is such a glorious movie. It's it's like candy for your eyes. It's it's so it's. You know, when when I first started seeing things, I was like, this is not Speed You know, it's not Speed Racer. It's so weird. It's, you know, it's so fake and all, you know, the physics and the uh, what's going on. But I, I it is a fun movie and I, I do like it. It's not 100%, you know, a true adaptation. You know, there are some some kind of changes, but I'm, you know, I'm okay with everything there. You know, it was, it's a fun movie. Uh, we we watched it probably like like a month or so ago again because you know my daughter's like like hey let's watch Speed Racer again I was like yeah let's watch Speed Racer uh, so I, I I do enjoy it you know we we saw it in the theater and I've, we've probably seen it maybe two or three times at least on on Blu-ray since then so I wish there could have been a sequel to that I I wish it was successful enough to become like like a trilogy at least because you know it. Again, it ended where, you know, is Racer X's brother, and and I'm sad now. Is it time to end the podcast? I don't know if I can go on, but no, we'll go on some more. Uh, Hazmat103 says, hey, Mr. G-Man, and f- I got no friends. <laughs> Mr. G-Man and friends, I have a question. How would you think Batman would fare in The Walking Dead? Do you think he would eventually have to break his rule and kill he said in the past he'll kill reanimated corpses, but what about people? Thanks, guys. Um, when did he say he would kill reanimated corpses? Because I want to read that. I don't remember that. Uh, I think obviously he would do well in The Walking Dead because uh, he he could get by on his own. He could probably keep making batarangs and you know take out a zombie with the batarang to the forehead. And would he kill? Uh, I don't think he wouldn't kill others. He he would still do his thing. And but then the question is like, what do you do with someone? You know, if 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 someone is being aggressive and attacking, whatever, you can't just like tie them up because then they'll die. So maybe he would just knock them out, put them in a closet, leave. You know, some way for them to escape. But I I don't think he would have a problem surviving. It would just be a question: Who would he ally himself with? You know, would would he stand his own? Would he, you know, try to attach himself to a, a group of people? 
what what the heck is he going to do at night? It's not like he's going to go out looking for crime. You know, it's, it's all about survival, and you know, unless he's going up against a governor or somewhere. So, but that'd be interesting to, to see a crossover like that, which would never happen. Federex says, "Hey, G man, I wanted to get into Moon Knight, and I know you're a big fan." What stories would you recommend? I was looking at Bendis's run, but I remember you saying that he made Moon Knight very over-the-top crazy. I don't know if that's in a good way or bad way. Thank you. I would say uh, you know, if, if you're okay with black and white, try to get the essential Moon Knight books. So those are like those little telephone books, the, the black and white uh, reprints. Get the first one and you know, just delve into – I mean they're going to be a little dated. You know, they're, they're old you know, it's not modern stuff. So there will be that, that slight feeling, you know, sometimes with some of the things they say or the way they're drawn, closed or wearing. But, you know, those those are, I don't know, necessarily want to call them classic, but those those are, are, are good stories. Uh, but yet, Bendis's Moon Knight was, was, was interesting, you know, especially if you like Alex Maleev, you know, his, his art was really good in there. He just really played up the, the multiple personalities and, like, at that being a problem because as you, you you're probably aware, you know, we had Mark Spector, he was a mercenary. And then after he became Moon Knight, he developed the Stephen Grant persona was a millionaire, which is, that's why people seem to think Huey's just like Batman. It's like, really? I don't remember Batman being a mercenary and dying in a desert. And he also had Jake Lockley, the the, the cab driver. (laughs) And I'll admit this kind of, kind of cheesy, but, you know, he would drive around in the cab to get, you know, that's where he got his information. You know, get information from the streets. Just drive around. Hey, I'm a cab driver. What's going down? What's shaking? So, it, it was it was good. And, you know, there there's a nice supporting cast. Uh, the, the Charlie Houston, David, I feel like I've answered this question before. I don't know if someone else has asked this too. But the Charlie Houston, um, David Finch series that was really good and then it, it just kind of once it got to the civil war stuff it started getting a little little shaky and then like when he was going up against norman osborne and thunderbolts and then it, it changed because then he did um moon knight fisticon shoe where where linnell francis Yu was drawing it um you know those were good but some of the the earlier moon knight series were good uh Volume two, it was volume two to miniseries. I can't keep track. How many? There's been so many Moon Knight volumes. It's that's another thing that makes me sad. Series come, they get canceled, and it comes back, and it's canceled. I don't understand. But yeah, Moon Knight's good. So I would I'd check out one of the essentials. You know, if if you know if you if you can tolerate some old olderish comics and black and white comics. Matt Wing 87s, 87, <laughs> there's no S here. How do you think the Avengers would have been if Edward Norton remained as Hulk Banner? I think it would have been really different. I thought he was too cool to be Banner since Banner is usually a shy, nerdy guy and Norton didn't portray that very well, but Mark Ruffalo really pulled it off. Um, I Yeah, Mark Ruffalo was, was great. thing is, he was a little little too funny. Um, Banner's not really you know cracking the jokes so much. Um, not that, you know, Mark Ruffalo is being a comedian or anything. Yeah, I liked Ed Norton. Um, he was good, but yeah, you know when you see him, you know running through the city, um, 
know, with, with the guys chasing him and trying to remain calm. It, it would have been weird because, you know, how would he interact with Robert Downey Jr.? And I, I, I guess I, I see what you're saying as being too cool. You know, it's like, what, what do you want to put up with that? So it would have been weird. It wouldn't have been the same because, you know, like when, when Mark Ruffalo wakes up when he was a Hulk, you know, that that was that was it was a good scene, or, you know. And again, kudos to the scriptwriter, whoever was you know. First thing Mark Ruffalo asked, like if anyone was hurt, you know, he that that was the main concern. Uh, next question from Matt Wing eighty seven: How do you think Iron Man two and Iron Man three would have been if Terrence Howard remained as Rhodes? Don Cheadle is one of my favorite actors. I thought recasting him was for the best. Terrence Howard isn't that great of an actor, in my opinion. You know, I like Terrence Howard. I thought that he was a I guess a little soft spoken, you know, he didn't really seem, you know, and I, you know, I, at the same, same point, I don't know how I feel about Don Cheadle. If, you know, he was the exact, again, he's a good actor too. I don't know if he was the right actor. I guess he, you know, he pulled it off, you know, playing military James Rhodes. I don't know, but I guess it, you know, if I had to choose one over the other, then yeah, I'd go Don Cheadle over Terrence Howard. Um, I just don't know if, if either one of them would have been like my first choice and don't ask me who my first choice is. Cause you didn't ask that. So I, I won't, I won't answer that. Um, since Marvel rotated writers and artists and DC has done it too, with a few titles, what if both companies switched writers and artists? What if like, what if Scott Snyder wrote Spider-Man, Brian Michael Bendis wrote Justice League, Jason Aaron wrote Batman, Jeff Johns wrote X-Men, etc. I think we would get some awesome and interesting stories. Um, I don't know if, if you mean in arcs or just in general, you know, because we, we see the the artists take, you know, they're not necessarily, they're taking breaks, they're, you know, they're working on the next arc, especially with the, the books that are, are shipping, you know, twice a, uh, a month. Um, the, the problem is, you know, some of these guys, you know, if you take like a Bendis or a Scott Snyder or a Jeff Johns, they have their style, you know, they, when, when they get into a book, they really kind of establish a, a vibe or a feel to, to kind of go back and forth. Like if, if you're talking about rotating them, that might be kind of weird, you know, cause you don't want that inconsistency where all of a sudden the characters are like up here, then all of a sudden they're over here and then they're going to be back. Um, it would be weird. It would be cool though. Obviously I would love to see, you know, the top Marvel and top DC guys do the opposite company's books. Um, it would be an interesting experiment. And again, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate that it's, it's not going to happen, especially, you know, if they're exclusive, but you always wonder what, what they would, would do, how, how they would do differently. Cause you know, I, like, I don't know if a lot of people remember like Jeff Johns, you know, he, he wrote some Avengers books and, you know, I'm trying to think what else he did. So it, it could happen. Benny Q, <laughs> Jeff Johnson is going to be writing Marvel anytime soon. Benny Q says, hey, G-Man, I asked this question on Twitter, but it may have gotten lost. Um, just wondering, in Daredevil End of Days, why does Bullseye kill himself and write Mapone above his head? What what food she have to do with him? What food? What did she have to do with him? That's a really good question. I I love the series, and... You know, I have to say, they, I don't think they, they really gave us an answer. Um, and if, if people still haven't read it, I mean, you need to, to get 
Daredevil End of Days. Um, I, I, maybe I'm trying to think if, if I kind of spoiled some by reading. Anyways, I, I think it was intentionally left vague because, you know, maybe for us to re- interpret it how, how we want, um, maybe Bullseye realized that, you know, maybe he's he's not going to be able to win. And, you know, the other possibility could be that, you know, maybe we're, we'll get a, a sequel. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get something else. And, you know, these these questions will, will come up. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. All right. So that is all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. If you want to send some more questions, go to Ask G-Man video discussion thread in the general forums. You can go to Twitter. Uh, my Twitter name is G-Man from Heck. Use the hashtag Ask G-Man. Um, try not to make it about phishing questions because I can't answer those. Or you can go to my Tumblr, gmanfromheck.tumblr.com. I will answer your questions. Thanks again to Sean Murphy for taking time out of his schedule to join us for a little bit. So definitely you should be reading The Wake. Don't trade weight on it because it's, it's really good. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed all those Black Man, Bat, and White statue pictures that I took last weekend. If you haven't seen them, look for that. Uh, it's, I, I love that statue. Uh, and yeah, if, if you're an artist, check out his DeviantArt page to look about that apprenticeship thing because it sounds like a really cool thing. All right. Uh, thanks again. Check out the podcast this Friday. And I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. So, so my question, my is, question is, is, who could it be? We don't, we don't know. And I would like to ask you which comic book does affect the most emotional relationship. That's the question. I'll shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two. <laughs> <laughs>